Well, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Our Southridge member podcast gives us a chance to talk about some uh, insider stuff that's going on in the life of our church. Uh, today, um, greeted here uh, with our worship pastor from our Vineland location, Justin Bricks. Justin, say hi to everybody. Hey, everyone. Uh, you are new, not just to people in our non-Vineland locations, but even relatively new at Vineland, uh, one of our newer hires. And so uh, can you just give us a bit of uh, personal background so we can get to know you a little bit better? I would love to do that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, uh, I grew up, I'm actually a pastor's kid, and uh, my dad uh, pastors a church in the CRC, the Christian Reformed Church, and that's kind of where I uh, grew up and got my start uh, with worship leading when I was around probably 13 or 14, so I've been involved in worship ministry for um, probably close to 15 years now, um, and uh, yeah, I, I had a wonderful time in the CRC. Um, I, I ended up kind of taking a bit of a detour through uh, the Pentecostal denomination, and I worked at a church there briefly. And uh, more recently, I was uh, in the BIC, the Being Christ uh, Church of Canada, uh, at a church plant called Reunion. I spent three years there as the worship pastor on staff. And uh, during that time, I, uh, I started and nearly completed my Master's of Theology at McMaster Divinity College, so I'm, I'm just on the tail end of wrapping that up. Uh, and... In this reunion church, uh, you were leading worship there. This was actually kind of a spinoff from the meeting house, correct? Or, or a kind of a, a, yeah. a plant from the meeting house? Because I know a lot of our uh, members are familiar with that church, and that church right. has certainly been a friend and mentor to us over the years. So there was a little bit of familial connection uh, kind of going on in the context. Is that true? Yeah, I would say more in relationship than anything. Uh, uh, Matt Vincent, who is one of the pastors at the Yokeville Meeting House, uh, after he left the meeting house, he he started a reunion, and so naturally a lot of the relationships that he had were with people from similar circles. So, but um, being a part of the same denomination, there there would definitely be parallel values uh, in in a lot of regards. Right, right, okay. So you're at reunion, and it was in Hamilton. That location. Uh, that location was actually in Oakville. Oakville okay. uh, they did end up planting in Hamilton, and uh, has since I think there's there's about six locations now. Uh, inside and outside of Canada. They're okay. now international. So very, cool. very cool. Very cool. So you're at Reunion, and uh, you would be part of a rare breed that we would refer to as an outside hire. We don't do this too often, but uh, are thrilled when it works out. Um, how did you even kind of hear about the job or hear about our church and get to the place where uh, you and your wife, uh, Kaylee, would decide that you're going to actually relocate to be to be part of this. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, I was on contract at Reunion. Uh, my contract, um, the, the first part that I was there, I wasn't on contract. I was working about 10 to 15 hours a week. And then the, the last two years I was there, I was on contract uh, for full time. And as that was coming to a close, uh, my wife Kaylee and I and uh, and our son Wilson, actually he's, uh, he's 18 months old, um, but yeah, just kind of as we were trying to discern what was, what was coming next, cause we knew that there was a bit of an expiration date, um, kind of as we were, um, thinking about that and praying about that, um, we were beginning to feel like, uh, um, God was not necessarily leading us to a specific church or denomination, but, uh, but actually he kind of put the, the region of Niagara on our hearts. And so we began to pay attention to that a little bit and, uh, and pray about that. And um, kind of out of the blue, I stumbled across an online posting, and I said, "Hey, I I recognize the the name Southridge," and uh, and so I I 
I gave the church a call and I, I um, yeah, connected with Jeff Martins, our, our inspiration pastor, and said, hey, can I take you out for coffee and see if there's any kindredness here and see if, uh, see if this is something that uh, would be worth pursuing. A cold call hire. A cold call Unbelievable. hire. Unbelievable, yeah. No, it's just cool just to see the way that God works in those uh, in those kinds of ways because uh, typically we do promote from within uh, because of, like you alluded to, this kindredness of spirit and this kind of unity that we, that we feel uh, promoting people uh, from within. But once in a while, we do stumble across a stranger of sorts. A silver fox. Who is as kindred a spirit and, and brings an outside perspective. And you've certainly done that. And we've appreciated that uh, in the months that you've been here. Now, um, <clears throat> for most of us who might be unfamiliar with what a worship pastor does, uh, can you just describe for us the mechanics of your job, how you spend your days? For sure. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, a lot of my job is is actually being a part of uh, our inspiration team, uh, the team that is kind of responsible for planning what happens for 75 minutes on a Sunday morning. And so, um, yeah, whether it's songs or prayers, uh, uh, anything that happens kind of outside of the message, uh, there's there's a team of, of people who are kind of carefully thinking through and praying and reflecting on on what that 75 minutes should look like and and then how to personalize them in three different locations that are similar but also have their own distinct uh, differences. So that that takes up a good portion of my time. Um, and then a large part of my job, uh, which is probably uh, one of my favorite parts of my job, is just uh, being with people and just getting to know people, building relationships. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Uh, my job is almost entirely reliant on volunteers. And so I couldn't do my job without them. And so, uh, yeah, a large part of what I do throughout the week is just investing into into people and relationships. Yeah, it's not just one band rehearsal and, you know, lead worship on a Sunday morning. It's all of these individual relationships. And even in the off stage, you know, all of the tech guys and, and uh, you know, volunteers in so many other capacities to, to make that weekend service in your location and then to be part of the inspiration team to make, to make it happen in all of our locations. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's quite the, it's, it's quite the production for sure. Um, I know that you guys in our inspiration department are really into what God is doing this month because we're in the middle of a series that's really championing the value that, that you guys uphold in the lifestyle of full devotion that we're fostering. And, and that is the series we're in called ordinary revival. I've asked the others, uh, uh, Mike and Jeff and, and Tom, to uh, describe kind of their version as an inspiration team member, their version of what they hoped God would do. Uh, can you give us yours, Justin? And what, what have you imagined God doing in this Ordinary Revival series? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's been it's been such a great month uh, just as we've looked at these um yeah, just these different ways of experiencing ordinary revival, which in itself is kind of a bit of an oxymoron. We think revival and we think big and grand and large scale. And uh, and while God absolutely does move uh, in those spaces, um, I, I think that can also maybe uh, come across as a little exclusive or uh, not exclusive in a, in, a, in a negative sense, but just in the sense that uh, I think those those experiences of God are maybe uh, not the general experience of God, and and so what we've been hoping in the hoping in this series called Ordinary Revival is is to take take some practices which may feel a little unnatural, make them 
uh, become a natural part of our, our rhythm so that we can access and experience the supernatural. And so just in really, um, maybe even, uh, you, you might even say simple or basic ways, we've just uh, done our best to try and, and invite people to orient themselves in, in very practical, hands-on ways uh, so that they can experience God in new and fresh ways. Yeah, and I've been hearing a lot of people have been helped by this because it, 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 for many of us, experiencing God's presence and activity in our lives feels elusive. And yet we may not realize the the role that we have to play in that, to, uh, as we've said throughout the series, to engage in certain kinds of behaviors or activities or use the word practices, to engage in certain practices that can access that life of God to a greater degree. And even though they might be weird or out of the ordinary, uh, you know, you, you said the tagline there, to try to make these unnatural things become more natural in order to experience more of the supernatural. And, uh, you know, day and uh, after day and through the journal and week after week, we've been uh, experiencing that to a greater degree. And uh, gearing up now for Easter weekend, coming out of this past Sunday, where uh, Mike Krause taught us on what worship was all about. And as a worship pastor, that's what we want to camp out on, this whole idea of worship. And, you know, without kind of re-preaching everything that, that Mike talked about, um, just at a very personal level, start with you as a follower of Jesus, Justin. What um, what have you been learning about worship in your own life lately? Yeah, one thing that I would say uh, probably for the last couple months that I've really been uh, reflecting on is this idea that, um, you know, and 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 I, as I say worship, I'm going to be referring specifically in the musical sense, but I, I think it, it transcends that a little bit too. But just the idea that uh, that the way that I um, that the way that I'm demonstrating uh, ascribing worth to God, whether that's through music or whether that's through the way I live my life, um, that that can that cannot just be a way for me to express that directly to God, but that can also be an encouragement for others. So I've been reflecting on on that a lot, even uh, on the weeks when I'm off the stage, uh, recognizing that the ways that I'm I'm engaging in the practices that we're doing, uh, whether it's you know prayer, or whether it's a spiritual practice that we're taking a part of, or whether it's just through singing, that the way that I'm engaging is actually not just between me and God, but that the beauty of doing things in community is that um, the ways that I engage can perhaps encourage someone else in the room and they can see the ways that I'm engaging and, and perhaps be invited to uh, try and engage God in a similar way. Yeah, yeah, that that as we kind of lean into each other, uh, as we learned yesterday, as we as we lean into each other, God shows up in a unique way through this collective gathering of Absolutely. us, whether we're part of the people on the platform or part of the part of the congregation together uh, God shows up in a u- unique way through us together which is really the 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 value of that collective gathering uh, at a lifestyle level or at a personal level kind of outside of Sunday mornings I know yesterday we talked about the gathering dynamic of worship and then the kind of personal or private dynamic of worship um, what have you been learning or discovering or maybe believe is the key to a lifestyle of worship? To live in that way. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's good. Um, around Southridge, I hear people talk about the Enneagram quite a bit. And uh, and I'm an Enneagram 4, for those of you who know what that means. And what I've learned about being a 4, and this is also just part of what it means to be me, is that um, discipline is incredibly important for me. Um, actually creating routines for myself. Even though I can be quite a... I'm, I would consider myself a creative person. I kind of go with the flow a lot. I can... I can change plans at, 
at the drop of a hat, but it's really important for me to uh, create rhythms and habits and routines throughout my day um, because it helps me to feel more grounded. And so at a lifestyle level, it's actually just been um, creating uh, some of those small tweaks and creating small spaces and rhythms. Uh, one of the one of the ways that uh, that's manifested itself is just through carving 10 minutes out of my morning and just saying, um, you know, I'm actually going to open my Bible every single day and, yeah, yeah. and actually just read. And it's not necessarily going to be some incredible uh, nugget of wisdom that's going to motivate me through the rest of my day, but it actually just forces me to orient myself in the proper direction as I go into my day. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how many of these conversations are, are actually about the discipline and the structure of just like the setting your alarm 15 minutes earlier or the getting out of bed, the use the, the language creating space. Mm-hmm. It, it's really that... That, that's almost one of the silver bullets of the, of the series, isn't it? When you create the space for God and engage in the kinds of practices that access God, God shows up in, in really extraordinary ways. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about that uh, Henry Cloud quote where, where discipline is low, apply external structure. Right. And if you you can actually build in whether it's an alarm clock or you know something in your calendar or whatever, um, to, to create that structure, in which you can be free to experience God in a unique and kind of fluid way. But it, it really is about the discipline and the structure at the, at the end of the day to kind of open that, open that up for us. So uh, definitely an important piece in a lifestyle of worship. Um, as a worship pastor, do you interact with people who are confused by that term? thought Mike did a great job yesterday talking about the difference between the lifestyle and the corporate gathering experiences of worship. But... Uh, you know, when people say, oh, you're a worship pastor, what does that even mean? Uh, maybe inside the church or especially outside the church. Uh, have, you, have you found worship to be something that is confusing? Absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of times worship uh, is either conflated with music or is synonymous with music. And uh, and I think that that can be a huge problem because, um, yeah, it, it kind of yeah, it creates all kinds of room for error in terms of uh, what is worship, what isn't worship. We have whole genres and subcultures of, you know, Christian subcultures dedicated to worship culture or worship music. And uh, millions and billions of dollars are like generated a year on on the backs of, of worship songs, yeah, whatever. The, the worship whatever that industry. Means. Yeah, there's a, there's a yeah. whole industry uh, surrounding that concept. And so it can kind of get confusing then to realize what ultimately worship is in this ascribing worth to God, both when we're together corporately and uh, personally in our in our private lives. And so, you know, that's part of what we want to kind of parse out or sort out today. Um, yesterday, we heard Mike talk about this uh, verse in Romans 12 of presenting your bodies as living sacrifices, that this is your spiritual act of worship. Not so much referring to when we gather, but just in the way that we live. Um, or, or similarly, I remember Jesus you know, teaching about worship uh, happening, he calls it in spirit and in truth. Right. Neither of those phrases uh, are musically oriented. Right. And so when you talk about, you know, in the Christian subculture, this language of worship being so synonymous with music. And I'm sure even for you as an artist and as a musician, much of your worship is, is kind of baked into being synonymous with music. Um, how do you understand or clarify to other people the dynamics of worship that are beyond music or don't require music? Right. 
Yeah, and and Mike actually uh, uh, talked on Romans twelve. Uh, he he even used the my favorite translation for this particular um, for this particular verse, but. Uh, where it says, uh, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, walking, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. And to me, that is like, that is the key that it's, it's the ordinary words. It's the walking around, going to work, waking up, sleeping, whatever, whatever those things mean. And, and I know Mike touched on, on that, but, um, it's so much bigger than, um, one specific moment, it has much more to do with a comprehensive lifestyle of full devotion. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that that, that really is the key. It's recognizing that I don't, I actually don't think it's an either or, but it's a both and yeah. that, uh, that one flows out of the other and then back into itself. Like it's the one can't exist without the other. And you're talking about two real practical behaviors for those of us who are listening, you know, one in, in this ascribing of worth to God, one is appreciation right the 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 creating the space to reflect on who god is and who he's been in our lives so that we can acknowledge and appreciate him right, right? and then the second half is this response right once i've appreciated who god is and who, you know how faithful he's been and loving and and all that i respond with an adoration with a praise with a gratitude, you know, with a, like you said, in my living, breathing, with with a response that's valuing him more than I would have valued him before because I've taken the time to appreciate his value, right? right? That's the, at a, at a very granular level, that's the practicality of what we're trying to get to uh, in this practice of worship because it's in the appreciation that I can experience God. It's in the response that I can experience God. And then, like you said, when we weave that together in the collective worship, you know, then as I'm preparing myself in that way, when we gather, there's something more extraordinary happens and vice versa. That drives then me experiencing that to a greater degree in my in my private life. Um, you know, based on this, we're talking about kind of these behaviors that that in all of these different granular ways might feel unnatural to us, believing that if we can make them more natural, we can experience more of the supernatural. Are there examples in your own life where you've seen this happen, where that you can share just stories of when, either in a corporate setting or in a personal way, where you or uh, people in your circles have, through this discipline, been more engaged in something that might have otherwise been unnatural, right. made it more natural, and boom, they experienced more of God through it? Yeah, uh, for myself, um, as music is is a way that I often find myself experience, experiencing God, um, that's naturally kind of the examples that I gravitate towards, recognizing um, that obviously uh, it can be through any manner of, whether it's, you know, giving or whether it's uh, prayer. Um, for myself, yeah, uh, there's times where I've been at, uh, like, not even religious events, like concerts where I'm experiencing music and for whatever reason, I like those are moments when I feel close to God. Um, I think of uh, when I was younger, uh, growing up in in the Reformed Church. I didn't have a, a ton of charismatic experiences, um, you know, and I I am so thankful for my roots and and just how they've uh, taught me to think about things like worship specifically. But uh, but it wasn't exactly a rowdy Sunday morning 
uh, for me growing up. And I remember uh, going to going to a conference once when I was probably about 12 or 13. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I, I started to speak in tongues. And that was something I'd only ever heard about. I hadn't even really ever seen anyone do it. Um, it was kind of something that felt like it was happening to me. And, uh, and kind of as a, the follow-up to that was um, trusted mentors that I had, kind of working through some of that in community with people to kind of understand what that was. And um, it's not something that happens to me a lot, um, you know, since then, but but every so often, that is still a, a form of, of prayer that I engage in. Um, but that that certainly seems supernatural to yeah, me. Yeah, that the would time. have been the first time. That would have been a very odd experience, yes. especially when it wasn't you know sort of driven from the front or the person beside you who brought you. You were trying to pattern after the. It just kind of boom. It just kind of happened, and uh, yeah, that must have been a, a, a really kind of cool encounter of the presence of God in a, in a really unique way. Um, uh, other examples that you've seen or stories that you've seen of people who, as they've engaged in the discipline of worship, they've experienced God show up in, in unique ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm just kind of in a more, in a more general sense, um, just being a worship pastor, you kind of have, you have a unique perspective kind of being on the stage. Um, it's interesting when I look out, um, actually, I, I learned this very quickly when I began to communicate from stage that you can actually see a whole lot when you're at the front of a room. And, uh, and you don't think that when you're, when you're sitting, uh, sitting there spectating or, or watching, uh, whatever, but, um, just kind of, I even think of my time at reunion and I, I have a three year window, um, where, I can actually look out and and watch the way that people engage uh, with musical worship, and it's it's so interesting. It's one thing when you're when you're in a week to week rhythm to say like, oh, you know, this felt different than last week, or maybe you know, a couple months go by and things begin to feel different over a three year period. Like that that's a that's a decent amount of time, and watching people um, grow in the way that they interact uh, with God through worship. Um, is always an encouraging experience for me. And even just that idea of showing up, taking something that is maybe a little unnatural, uh, maybe you're not a singer, but but doing that week after week uh, for a prolonged period of time, um, it's, it's, it's incredible to see uh, the change that can begin to take place in our disposition over, over a three or four or 10-year window. And so it's not so much just the instant short-term, immediate, or even event-centered experience of God that you're witnessing, you're witnessing actually more of a cumulative yeah. impact that someone might not notice through engaging in the discipline or the practice in a one-off way, right. which is a whole nother level for us to, for us to think about. I, for me, you know, when you, when you think about worship as ascribing worth to God, one of the things that, that we didn't talk about uh, in the service yesterday was uh, the component of the service where we take the financial offering. Mm. And often when I host, uh, I'll allude to that to say this is an extension or an expression or even an application of our worship because this is kind of putting our money where our mouth is or has recently been because typically we've sang some songs just before that. And, you know, one of the most extraordinary experiences in my life uh, as, as part of our uh, church community was before our community relocated to what is now our St. Catherine's location, which was a very 
kind of significant milestone in the in the life and history of our church, uh, we had a fundraiser, and we needed to raise two and a half million dollars in order to see ourselves relocated and put ourselves in proximity to people in need. And you know, people know the story because the rest is history since there. But to watch a small little community. At the time, it was only 101, we called them giving units, like people and families that had contributed financially to this thing. Over and above our regular financial commitments to the operating budget, the regular ministry of the church, for 101 groups, you know, people and families to commit together over a three-year period, that $2.5 million was such an extraordinary demonstration of response to the adoration and value that we had for God based on appreciating who he was in our lives. And, you know, at the time, it, it was remarkable to, to watch and to watch people just financially give our best to God in that era. But, you know, now, similar to what you're saying in this cumulative view, now I can see, like, the product of that. Yeah. The product of that season, or even that instant for people who are making that choice in an instant— the product of that season of giving God our best, like that's been decades and that's going to be generations yeah. of legacy and really of miracle that we've made available for God to do simply through that one moment or era of deciding, you know what, in this way, in my life, God, I and we together, we're going to give you our best. Yeah. And it really is, uh, for me, probably the pinnacle example of when worship happened to a greater degree, God was able to show up to a greater degree. Yeah. And and it's not necessarily in a in an event-centered way or in a musical-centered way, but uh, kind of in a more generic way under the banner of ascribing worth to God. And I often translate that as just giving God our best. Um, since though you 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 referred to particularly in gatherings and in this in this dynamic of collective uh, kind of community of faith or church worship, uh, you, you made reference to music. And and so I'm going to just kind of dip my toe into that uh, a little bit. What have you learned, Justin, about why music plays such a significant role in the in the whole dynamic of worship? Why, why, why is music such an integral part of it? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, even just beyond the fact that music is we're invited through scripture all, all over the place, uh, to sing and to give thanks. Uh, and you know, there's, there's a whole, there's several books in the old Testament that are just devoted for what it means to gather and approach God. Um, and so beyond just the scriptural, uh, implications that, invite- which just, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a point. Yes. And to someone like myself and maybe other members who are listening who wouldn't describe ourselves as musical or artistic, you know, really in any way, <laughs> um, th- like that matters. That that just from a biblical perspective, there is a God designed to this right. for the way that music, for the way that singing, for, you know, you're alluding to books of the Bible. I mean, the Psalms are songs of prayer and worship to God. And so for people like me who maybe aren't, drawing as a foregone conclusion, oh yeah, you know, music stimulates our heart and our our expression of worship. That's an important part of the discipline and the practice of it is to appreciate how much God intends for us to engage in musical worship. So sorry to interrupt, but you were making a point there that I hope that we can capture. No, absolutely. I, I think that's so important. Well, and even just this notion 
of musical people and non-musical people, I think is something that's kind of only or like um, it's only come about recently, like the fact that we have musical and non-musical people. Like I just I just came back from a trip out uh, from Newfoundland, actually. And it's amazing uh, the culture of music that exists there. Whether you're musical or not, if you walk into a bar and someone starts singing like a Stan Rogers song, like everyone is joining in. And that moment means something to every single person there, whether they're a musician or not, because it's part of the culture. And because that I, I, I find, especially, you know, in uh, central Ontario or um, southern Ontario, that's not something that is part of our culture it can seem unnatural to in, engage in that way but i think the thing about music is that um there's something about music that kind of uh, allows us to put our guard down if we let it um you know if we come in all cynical and skeptical it's probably not going to happen but um i heard someone say once like music is the back door to the brain that uh that when we actually uh, allow music to speak uh, to us when we allow ourselves to engage in music um, that it's it's amazing the kind of emotions e- even that we can experience that we didn't know were there before it's it's amazing the way that you refer to that the back door of the brain because what what I find and and just to be clear I would if if we're saying that this is unique to southern Ontario culture right great it's unique to southern ontario it's true of me i remember i was a little kid my mom wanted me to be musical and she was trying to teach me piano and finally she tried to get other people to teach me piano she said forget it she's gonna teach me herself so she sits me down as a little kid on the piano stool and she starts you know teaching me the different notes right a cow eats grass that's how she helped me remember you know the notes and after about 10 minutes i got up and i said mommy she tells this story I, i i don't remember it but she says you know i said to her mommy I don't want to learn a musical instrument and I'm not going to regret it when I'm older. <laughs> I just wandered away. So I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that product sure. and w- would feel like, okay, so I'm not a, a, an artistic music person, but it's amazing how, you know, both outside the church and inside the church, a, a song can have legacy. And all of a sudden, even the tune, even if I don't have exactly the word, the tune will have legacy. And I'll find myself kind of tapping to it or, or whistling it or humming it. or and, and the way that music affects my memory mm-hmm. is often way more profound and way more cemented than the way words or phrases or teaching or, you know, some of these other uh, ways to to articulate the good news about God uh, can have. And so in a lot of ways, even though I might not be in that musical category, beyond just because you see it in the Bible, therefore it ought to matter to me because it matters to God kind of priority. um, Over the years, I've started to appreciate the value that it has because of exactly what you're describing there, Justin, the back door to the brain and the way that it can have legacy, even in people like me, in a way that other mediums uh, can't have. It's it's really quite remarkable. Right. Um, along those lines, talk to me, because I, I think we need to talk about this if we're talking about worship and we're talking about musical worship. Over the years, uh, churches have kind of journeyed through and often struggled through different styles right. of music. And, you know, I don't want to talk about people who like rap versus people who like country or get into that. But, you know, in the church, we've seen 
kind of eras of musical style. Can you just speak to that for all of us, no matter what musical style of worship we may tend to come from or hold dear or prefer? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, the reality is in a, in a room of hundreds of people, um, trying to curate to everyone's musical tastes is, uh, is certainly not an easy task, uh, nor should that be the goal of what's happening on stage. I mean, um, what is too quiet for someone might be too loud for someone else. And, you know, what feels too contemporary for someone may feel completely opposite for someone else. You know, we, we all come from different backgrounds and traditions, and uh, we grew up singing different songs. And, uh, and yeah, um, yeah, I think that there's been uh, an an evolution that's happened over the last, you know, 20 years specifically, that's kind of sped up that process. And like we talked about before, there's now entire industries that are pumping out hundreds of songs a year. And as a worship pastor, you know, how are you ever supposed to keep up with that tidal wave of, of content that's always coming your way and people are, Hey, I want to sing. Yeah. This let song. alone all yeah. the genres. That's right. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, this is popular and this is popular and you know, I'm not necessarily into either of those styles. And so, uh, yeah, it can become pretty complicated pretty fast. Yeah. I, I would want to you know, restate some things too for, for all of our people that as a church, we're picking kind of deliberately, we're picking kind of as wide a bandwidth of as a, a, a generic kind of culturally relevant worship style as possible to be as generically inclusive as possible. Right? We're not offering six different styles of worship every Sunday or, you know, t- 10 different worship styles in the course of a monthly. Re- We're kind of picking one that has a, a generally wide bandwidth for where both our inside the church and even outside the church culture finds itself. That's really the the perspective that we're taking on musical worship. And so I know for for many of the people who deliver musical worship across our locations, you know, the songs that we perform and and, and uh, offer in stimulating worship congregationally and the style with which we offer them, they may not even be the personal preference of those people and leaders. Sure. So the, the, the point is just to appreciate that we're offering this in a bandwidth that's as generic and inclusive as possible so that the, the largest group of us can engage together. But I would say if, if, that particular style isn't quite, we'll say, your thing or as stimulating as to your life with God as maybe a different style is, you can always incorporate musical worship into your personal practices. Can you talk about that as the supplement for what you called before the both and of, hey, I'm going to gather together and in that gathering together, it's going to drive my private lifestyle. And then in my private lifestyle, it's going to stimulate and express what I can bring to our gathering together. And that kind of spiral and that compound and that wheelhouse can, can turn, you know, if I, if I don't track as much with the worship style, when we gather, what can I do in my personal private times of worship? Yeah. Well, I mean, my immediate response is to say like, as a worship pastor, my job is actually not to create good music right? My job is not to create a great musical experience for someone uh, to engage with. Uh, my job is actually to help them engage with God. That's and, a fabulous point. And so that's an important distinction that um, just because, like, and, and I actually, I really think that we have some talented musicians and bands, but if the music for whatever reason isn't great on a Sunday, 
that doesn't mean that I haven't done my job well. If people are still engaging. That's that's kind of the metric that um, that I, I think is more important. Um, but yeah, I in terms of personal uh, lifestyle, um, I've gone through seasons. Um, just as a full disclaimer, like worship music, that whole genre is not it's not my natural go to. I listen to a whole wide variety of music. Um, but uh, there's been seasons in my life where it's become important for me to almost treat listening to worship music the same way I would treat uh, the discipline of praying or discipline of, of, of reading scripture and saying like, it's actually important for me to be ministered to the music that I'm listening to, whether it's for a season or whether it's, uh, you know, for a moment in time, uh, but just uh, not treating that as consumption, but treating that as like, that's actually part of my time with Jesus and I need to prioritize that in my life. I, I really appreciate that. And, and uh, you know, Mike used the phrase in the, the message related to this podcast that, you know, especially these gatherings and the experiences of worship that we engage in together, the, the metric isn't what we got out of it. Right. The metric isn't whether we liked it. The, me- the metric actually isn't whether it tracked with us. The metric is what God got out of it, not what we got out of it. And so... You know, I think all of us can engage in that kind of discipline, whether we track with that style of music ourselves. And then if there is a style or a a type of worship or or specifically worship music that we do more naturally track with that opens our hearts up to God, then in our private worship times, whether it requires discipline or not, we can engage in that to open the spiritual valves up privately in a way that might take a little bit more work when we're together. But as you said, it might take a little bit more work privately as well. Right. Sometimes, yeah. whether whether we're, we're a music person or not, Justin. Along those lines, uh, we want to try to provide in our services. We want to try to provide as an inspiration ministry supports mm. for people's personal worship. Can you talk practically about any of the supports? that are available beyond just showing up on Sundays and engaging in what worship bands have prepared? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, At a planning level, uh, like I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, one of the questions we're always asking is, what are we sending people out the door with? You know, whether that is a physical object that we're actually placing in people's hands, uh, maybe it's a prayer that we're inviting you to bring into your week. Um, I mean, we always are posting uh, the songs that we sang uh, on our social media uh, pages, uh, just our, our YouTube playlist so that, you know, the 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 hope is, is that you're continuing to engage in these songs, not just on Sunday. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're always asking the question, how are we helping people to engage with God Monday to Saturday, yeah, not you, just on Sunday morning? Can you talk a little bit more about that? You referred to this YouTube playlist. Yeah. How, how does that, some of us as members, maybe we're not on social media, maybe we don't realize that this exists. Yeah. Um, Talk about the YouTube playlist and how what it is and how to access it. For sure, yeah. So, um, yeah, at a planning level, we, we're doing our best to to kind of limit the the number of songs that we sing as a church, so that we can uh, begin to internalize the songs that we're singing. And and part of the way that we do that, in addition to just curating the Sunday morning songs that we're singing, is actually um, you know posting a playlist on our Facebook pages, on our Instagram pages, um, where people can click on links and actually listen to the songs. Uh, for the service, uh, whether it's on Monday, you know, during a run, or whether it's on your commute to work on Wednesday, 
you know, just kind of whatever that looks like that, for you. That these links will access those songs performed on YouTube exactly. channels yeah. that can then reclaim the experience of the song that we sang on Sunday. Right. And I, I, I allude to that in case members aren't, aren't aware of that um, because of what you just said, that, that there is a dynamic where familiarity helps. Mm. And I say that because some people especially if they live in the musical worship world, you know, one of the, one of the tensions that we navigate from a planning perspective is how diverse and how fresh they call it, you know, how, how fresh we expose new songs to people. And certainly we don't want songs to get boring, but there is some value and really some specialness. And especially when I alluded earlier to the, the embedding in our psyche, to actually learning a song and knowing the lyrics, yeah, right? You yeah. you engage in a song way more powerfully when you have learned the lyrics yeah. and it takes a certain amount of plays to learn the lyrics. And so sure. all of that, I say, helps our worship experience both privately and together uh, publicly and corporately when we gather, if we're able to access these playlists, you know, even a few times during the week so that we can hear and so that we can remind ourselves and so that we can learn the lyrics and so that we can embed those songs to a greater degree so that both privately and together publicly, they become more, you know, heartfelt because they're more familiar. Yes. That's that's why we make that available um, because again, the personal leads into the corporate and the corporate then expresses the personal and that spiral can, uh, can spin in a more powerful way. So that I, I hope members will, will pick up on that. Um, anything else that you want to say just about our corporate gatherings and what our worship gatherings are trying to become or offer that you would want, uh, members from across our locations or maybe specifically in Vineland in the location that you lead, uh, just to be real clear on. Yeah, um, we didn't really get too much of a chance to talk about it on this podcast, but um, kind of from a planning perspective, we we use the the paradigm of the spiritual gymnasium, and so um, whether it's uh, you know whether it's noticed or not, what we try and do every single week in amidst all the songs that we sing, because we've talked a lot about singing, is we try and provide some sort of spiritual practice, whether it's a reflection or a prayer, something we're reading together out loud. Sometimes it's very tactile. Um, but we we invite people to do a lot of weird things on Sundays sometimes. Uh, and I find myself uh, sometimes saying from the front, we're going to try something a little bit different this morning. That seems to come out of my mouth quite a lot. And my encouragement to people is that, um, kind of like we said, we can't be all things to all people. But as we are continuing to grow on this journey of what it means to follow Jesus, not just personally, but also in community, um, that I invite people to take risks. You know, sometimes, yeah, it seems, sometimes the ask on Sunday mornings for what we're trying out may be beyond comfort zones. And, and we, we want to fully acknowledge that, but we also want to invite people to always be growing and saying, um, this may not be the way that I've encountered uh, Jesus in the past, um, but what would happen if I just opened myself up? What would happen if I was asking the question, what can I give this morning rather than what can I get out of this morning? Yeah, no matter how much preparation we do internally, both the experience of worship when we gather and the function of the service as a spiritual gymnasium, as you've described, require our collective engagement. And there's no way to kind of get around that 
that if we come as critics, if we come as an audience, if we come as spectators, if we come as consumers, not only do we miss out personally, we miss out collectively. And, uh, you know, every worship pastor, I'm sure, wants a prepared, engaged congregation to work with. So I'll just re-encourage re- and re-envision and, and uh, say that so you don't have to say it as awkwardly, like for the sake of the Justins, <laughs> let alone for the sake of all of us, let's bring our best to God when we gather in our gatherings, in our singing, in our musical worship for God and for each other so that not only can we get the most out of these experiences, but ultimately so that God can get the most out of these experiences as well. Let's engage and let's be prepared to engage because without it, no matter how much preparation we bring internally, uh, we miss out on what God has for us and we miss out on giving God our best. Final little detail question, Justin, because we haven't talked about this uh, this month. Um, If I'm a member and I'm listening to this and I want to get involved in the worship ministry, either uh, in a band or in a tech role or whatever, um, who are the people at each location that I could talk to just to check in and follow up to to participate? Yeah, great question. Um, A question I certainly like to hear. Uh, You can talk to myself. If you are uh, part of our Vineland uh, crew, uh, you can obviously usually find me uh, at the front of the church on a Sunday morning. Uh, but you can talk to uh, Tom Lowen, our worship pastor, uh, if you're part of the Welland community. And, and Jeff Martins would be happy to talk to you if you are uh, part of our, our St. Catherine's location as yeah, well. Or, or any one of our location pastors could Absolutely. direct you to one of these uh, kind of worship quarterbacks in those locations. Awesome. Well, Justin, thanks for sharing with us. And uh, thanks to you and Kaylee for being part of this community, for responding to that sense that you had from God for uh, the Niagara region and for bothering to find us on the internet. We're, uh, we're really grateful that you guys are around and it's been a blessing already to kind of get to know you guys and to become spiritual family with you. Thanks for what you're bringing to our heart and experience of worship. And thanks to all of you for joining us in this conversation and for learning and engaging in a lifestyle and in a community of worship to a greater degree so that we can ascribe worth to God, so that we can give him our best. And so God can get out of us personally and out of us together Uh, what he deserves for who he is. Uh, That's so much of what we're learning this week. As we continue finding our way, uh, thanks for joining us this week. And uh, really, gang, I hope that you'll gear up for a great experience this weekend on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We'll see you around as we celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ for all of us. Uh, Looking forward to that. Have a great Easter, everyone. Take care.